You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 685 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you live from State Farm Arena, so as always, please forgive any background noise that you hear. I am at my seat in the uh, bowl, and it was quite a night. Once again here at State Farm Arena, the Hawks have now lost nine games in a row. They have lost 20 out of the last 22, and it's about as bad as it possibly could be in terms of the on-court product right now for the Hawks. Um, and even with that, the, the headline story of the night is probably the injury to Trey Young. Young suffered what the team is calling a right ankle sprain, and after the game, Lloyd Pierce talked about how it didn't swell up a ton, but then uh, Trey Young himself followed up that um, in talking to the media after the game and saying that he will not travel to Chicago for the second night of a back-to-back, instead getting treatment on Saturday morning here in Atlanta. So it looks like Trey's going to miss that one, and as a result of that, the Hawks have their uh, work out for them on Saturday as well. But we'll talk about tonight's game first. And uh, setting the backdrop a little bit here, the Hawks were without Alex Lynn and Jabari Parker. No surprise with Alex Lynn with the way that it looked um, on Monday. Parker was a little bit of a surprise. He was listed as probable initially with a shoulder injury, then downgraded to questionable, and then out. They certainly could have used those guys. They would not have fixed everything, clearly, in what became a 112-86 loss um, in this spot. But there you go on that. And otherwise, on the roster um, situation, Brandon Goodwin was, was recalled earlier this week and actually got, got into the game. Granted, it was basically all in garbage time, but he played a significant role here. And with Trey Young presumably out on Saturday, um, couldn't see more Goodwin, obviously, in that game as a uh, backup point guard, starting point guard, however they want to do that. We'll see how that looks um, on Saturday. To the game itself, though, the uh, Hawks actually were 7.5-point underdogs in this game. They were about 11.5 or 12-point underdogs, but then the Bucks ruled out Giannis Antetokounmpo, the reigning NBA MVP, um, with a back injury. Of course, if you looked at the score of this game and didn't watch it, you probably assumed that Giannis played, but he did not. And that made the, that made the performance even worse for the Hawks to lose by 26 at home to the Bucks without Giannis or Eric Bledsoe, who probably is the third or fourth best player on the, on the Bucks roster. So pretty brutal in a lot of ways here, but starting out, um, early on, it was kind of a microcosm of the entire night. It was the first few minutes where the Hawks could not score on the opening uh, few possessions. A three-point play by Brook Lopez on the first possession of the game, and then a couple of turnovers from the Hawks. An air ball corner three by Bruno Fernando, and uh, from there it was pretty hideous. Um, on the way to an 8-0 run by the Bucks out of the gate. That probably set the tone for the rest of the night. The Hawks did respond after a timeout by Lloyd Pierce with a 7-2 run and a couple of nice plays from Cam Reddish, I thought. He had a nice denial at the rim against Dante DiVincenzo, followed by a smooth drive and a finish, and then actually made a floater a few plays later. But aside from that little blip, um, wasn't too much to positive to talk about in this game. The Hawks uh, got back to within three at one point in the first quarter, but then there was a 10-2 run by the Bucks to prompt another timeout. Pierce was not very happy at that point in time with, with the defensive uh, intensity, I don't think, and the offense was not executed necessarily at all in the early going. Um, the Hawks had no one in uniform, frankly, without Alex Lynn available that could even pretend to guard Brook Lopez, who did whatever he wanted to around the rim. He's a, he's a massive human being, and that was very evident in this game. The Hawks had no answers for him. And, of course, Chris Middleton as well. Those guys kind of did everything they wanted to do throughout the contest. Um, down as much as 15 in the first quarter before the Hawks settled in with a 13-point deficit. They could not score all night long. That was uh, evident from the opening tip. 
They went with a nine-man nine rotation in the first quarter that became 10 when Alan Crabb checked in in the second. He actually played pretty well in this game. We'll talk about him later on. Um, in, in fact, I thought his defense early on was pretty um, encouraging. Crabb is not known for his defense by any means, but he was definitely getting effort defensively in the second quarter. Um, and there was a personal 5-0 run by Kevin Herter and a, uh, I believe it was a 9-2 overall run from the Hawks to get back within um, a 7-point margin in the second quarter. And from that point forward, though, it was basically all Bucks the rest of the game. A 20-6 run by the Bucks to take a 22-point lead. And the game was over at that point, frankly. Um, it didn't seem like it was absolutely over, but it actually was in retrospect. Uh, and then Young turned his ankle with about two minutes to go in the first half when the Hawks were already down by 20. So I think if you watched this, I'm sorry, if you didn't watch this game, you might assume um, because Trey was injured that the Hawks, you know, fell off a cliff after he left the game. But they were already down by 20. It wasn't like it was all his fault, but uh, he, this game was probably already over even if even before that actually took place. He was immediately helped to the locker room. In fact, he was helped off the court by Collins and Herter. Kind of a weird situation there where he almost rolled the ankle both ways. If you, if you watch the replay, and it's in the Peachtree Hoops recap if you missed it. Um, pretty ugly-looking roll. And then he and Pierce both said that he rolled the ankle substantially. We'll see how long he's out there. Uh, he's out for the Hawks there, but... Uh, pretty immediately ruled out by Atlanta during halftime, only about 5-10 minutes later in terms of real time from the time that uh, Young suffered the injury to the time that he was actually ruled out. So no, no big surprise there, but um, kind of the brutal, you know, overarching theme of the night was just you know, a bad performance and then, of course, an injury that you just cannot afford right now with Trey Young. At the halftime break, Hawks down by 23 points. Um, they had a sub-80 offensive rating um, for most of the game. It finished slightly over 80, but it was still... Kind of brutal throughout the contest. Without Young, they actually opened the uh, second half with Herner, Reddish, Hunter, Vince Carter, and John Collins. They tried to switch a little bit there, but it was a 6-0 run immediately from the Bucks to go up by 29 and kind of extinguish any thought of a run or a you know challenge by the Hawks. Um, kind of a brutal backdoor cut um, when Herder fell asleep um, to prompt a timeout with the Hawks down by that much money, done by that, by that many points um, early on in the third quarter. They went with Brandon Goodwin after that for the first time. The, Haw the Hawks just couldn't score, honestly, um, for most of this game. The defense was not good either, but the offense was worse. Um, they scored six points in the first six and a half minutes of the third quarter as well. Um, they did, they did, the Hawks did put together a 13-4 run to end the quarter to get back within 21 and sort of have a faint, um, I would say, once again, faint potential to make this game interesting. It was not, it was not to be, though. In fact, the end, of the, the end of the third quarter run actually came with Chandler Parsons, Alan Crabb, and Evan Turner on the court together, which is not something you would normally say uh, in a third quarter by any means. But then it was a 9-0 run to open the fourth quarter by the Bucks to go back up by 30, and that was the end of that. The uh, only headline thing that I wanted to mention in the fourth, other than just the pure garbage time, was that Lloyd Pierce went absolutely crazy on a non-call by Ken Reddish. It was actually definitely a foul, um, and a bad missed call by the refs. And Pierce, I can't believe they did not get a technical foul. I think he was almost trying to get one at that point, and they just wouldn't oblige. But uh, he, went kind of, he went kind of nuts there. It was pretty easy to see that um, live in person here. But other than that, not too much to talk about. And the lead never got actually below 20 in the entire fourth quarter, so it was not really ever in any doubt with that set. Um, uh, sorry, uh, overall team stuff. The defense, actually, if you look at it by the numbers for the full game, does not look that bad. A 105 defensive rating because the Bucks kind of imploded at times late when they were not necessarily trying, particularly in the fourth quarter. Um, still, the defense was not good. The first half it was markedly bad, 63 points allowed on a relatively slow pace. Um, even for the whole game, the Bucks still shot 58% true shooting in this game, which is not like uber elite, but certainly better than you would expect from a full team on the road without their uh, you know, number one and number four players. So, yeah, that kind, of, that kind of speaks for itself. As I said before, Middleton and Lopez did whatever they wanted to in this game. By the way, old friend Ursula Yasova had 18 points and 17 rebounds in 24 minutes. That was pretty crazy to see as well. And uh, the Hawks did force 18 turnovers. So a lot of that was in garbage time. But defensively, it was not... 
the worst the Hawks have been by any means, but um, at times in that first half, it was pretty unwatchable, um, to say the least. Offensively, it was one of the worst performances of the season from Atlanta, an 80.5 offensive rating for the full game. They shot 36% from the floor, 29% from three. You know, some of that's just bad shooting luck. You know, you, 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 get, a one, you get a one of six from Collins, 0 of four from Goodwin, um, you know, some just misses across the board. But even with that said, and the caveat that the shooting was a little bit unsustainably bad in this game, 18 turnovers, they did not have anything going from a two-point two range. They were 21 of 50 from two. That's pretty bad, 42%. You know, that's not going to win most games. Uh, 20 assists against 18 turnovers, that's pretty bad as well. And again, it was not all because Trey Young left the game. They, they couldn't score with him on the court in this game. Normally, the offense is pretty good when Trey plays and absolutely terrible when he doesn't. It was just bad all the way through in this spot. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about this we'll get the individual portion of the program, but very few guys had positive performances in this game, and that's not a surprise when you factor in the 112 to 86 final margin. Okay, with all that said, we will come back in just a few seconds to talk about the individual stuff and the wrap up look ahead to a Saturday's game. So hold on tight. Here's a word from our sponsors. All right, and we're back talking about the individual players in this game. And as I said before, you might expect some ugliness and there was some ugliness to be sure. We'll start on the ugly side off the bench. Um, we'll save the two performances that were positive for later on. Um, the, guys, the guys only played in garbage time in this game. Chandler Parsons, 11 minutes, 0-4 from the floor. He's just not very good at this point in time. We could kind of leave that there for now. Brandon Goodwin is going to matter, I think, on Saturday. Um, he was 0-6 from the floor and 0-4 from three, although Lloyd Pierce did praise his, his effort and energy level. You know, the shooting... Is not good with strength, but he's not he's not a completely incapable shooter. So that's one of those things that I'm not really that worried about the shooting in this game. He came in cold after sitting for a very, very long time. And I think we'll see more of him. We'll see how he looks in a regular setting, so to speak, on Saturday. But I'm not really worried about the way he plays. He's actually plus six, which who cares. Um, um, elsewhere on the um, non-competitive side, Evan Turner, 10 minutes, all in the fourth quarter. Um, did not score, two assists, two rebounds. Um, Pierce did talk about the fact that he was going to be a, a potential option before the game started, and that did not end up being the case until garbage time. No big surprise there. He's not really been a factor for this team for a while now, but that's something to note there. Vince Carter did play um, 12 minutes, and he was not only garbage time, and he just not, did not play a whole lot in the fourth quarter, but 12, 12 minutes, oh, one from the floor, zero points. They have two assists, but um, yeah, not a, uh, not a great night, not a terrible one for Vince, but just some, not really uh, remarkable in any particular way. Uh, Dr. Bembry, 15 minutes, um, which is less than you would think in a blowout game like this. Uh, nine points, two assists, a steal, a rebound, and a turnover. A couple of bad, couple of bad miss finishes at the rim. But other than that, I thought Bembry was not uh, notably bad in this game in the way that a lot, that a lot of guys were. Um, the couple of positive performances, oh, sorry, one more um, shaky one was Damian Jones off the bench. Two uh, sorry, two points in 19 minutes, one of five from the floor, oh, one from three. Four rebounds, including three on the offensive end of the floor, and assist a steal and two block shots. Damian had a couple of nice energy plays, but uh, in general was not good in this game. Um, he was one of the guys who played in the competitive portion. Um, Bruno was worse, I think, but even then, uh, Damian Jones was not very good. We'll come back to that uh, at a later date when necessary. Uh, the two guys who did play well off the bench, Alan Crabb, as I said before, 20 points in 21 minutes for Alan Crabb to lead all scorers for Atlanta very comfortably, actually. 7-10 uh, from the floor, 4-7 of seven from 3. Good to see him make some shots at 3 steals. I thought, again, his defensive energy was pretty good in the second half when he came in. Um, sorry, in the first half even. Uh, but then it definitely extended into the second half. Um, probably his best game of the season, and, uh, at least individually. Obviously, there were some issues along the way because everybody had some issues along the way, but he was dead even plus-minus. Shot the ball well, and he was due for some positive regression as a shooter. He is not a sub-30% three-point shooter as, he, as he's been so far this season. Alan Crabb, if there's one thing that he, we know he can do, it is shoot, and uh, that's good to see him uh, see the ball go down we'll see if he plays a little bit on Saturday as well after not playing much recently and the guy who really matters off the bench is Cam Reddish 30 minutes for Cam actually the most minutes of anybody on the floor in this game for Atlanta 11 points 
for Reddish, five rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block shot. He was minus 19. That's not really his fault. 5-12 from the floor, 1-4 from three. I will say, you know, Cam had a couple of, uh, I would say, trademark shaky finishes at the rim, a couple of bad moments around the rim. But if you remove those, and I think it's probably okay to look beyond that. I thought Cam was actually pretty good in this game. He was the one guy I tweeted about during the game that if you were trying to find a positive, it would have been Cam Reddish. And, you know, obviously, Crab. um, on a much less significant note for the future anyway, was good in this game. But Reddish was the only member of the core guys who actually played fairly well in this game. I thought defensively he did a pretty good job. Offensively, there were some nice flashes, and I thought he just didn't he didn't kill them in this game. To the starters, uh, Trey Young, 15 minutes, so we'll go with him now. Um, he was not great before he got uh, before he got injured. 12 points was uh, obviously leading the way for the Hawks at that point in time, but they were minus 25 in those 15 minutes. It was not all him by any means, but defensively, it's been a struggle. It continues to be a struggle for Trey recently, but at least offensively, he had it going a little bit. Had two threes, four six in the free throw line. Um, he was the least of the team's problems offensively in this game. Did have four turnovers, a couple of shaky ones in the first quarter, but um, didn't didn't see enough to really go in on, on too much of what he was able to do on the floor. And of course, we will circle the injury stuff, and hopefully, he is back very very soon. Um, elsewhere. Devery Hunter was really bad in this game. I thought it was probably the worst he's ever been. I think, you know, as soon as I tweeted that, he had five points in about a 30-second span in the fourth quarter, but those were only five points of the game, so I feel good about what I said there. He was minus 36. That is uh, bad, obviously. It was not all DeAndre, but I thought he really struggled on both ends of the floor. He had nothing to, he had no answers for Chris Middleton. Offensively, he didn't show anything, really. He had a nice, um, one nice three. Other than that, a couple of bad finishes around the rim. Didn't play with a ton of force. Didn't play with a lot of athleticism in this game. Um, just a shaky one. I mean, it's a rookie. I'm not going to be worried too, too much here, but Hunter has been hot and cold. You know, I will say, you know, people were asking me after the game, and I'll, I'll just say it now real quickly. I, I think if you're comparing him to a, what you would want to get from a guy that you traded all that stuff for, it's not looking great at this point. Now, am I foreclosing on that? Absolutely not. I still like DeAndre Hunter as a player. I always did. I, I do think, though, if you're trying to calculate that versus the trade stuff, it's a little bit crazy right now to talk about that, that being success. It probably isn't at this moment, but that does not mean that I don't think that Hunter's a good player because I think he's going to be a good player in the future. It's just not you know, not incredible right now, but he's a rookie. It's fine, and this is a one-game sample. He's had good moments. He's had bad moments. This is a bad moment for him. Nothing to panic about, but it was not great from DeAndre in this game. Bruno Fernando, um, very similar. In fact, probably worse. Uh, six points, seven rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block. So he did, he did fill up the statue a little bit. I thought he was just notably bad in the first um, stint or two that he had in this game. It was a little bit better after halftime when the game was kind of out of reach already. Um, and again, you know, Hunter versus Fernando, my expectations for Hunter are a lot higher, so that's probably why it was a little bit hard on DeAndre in this game. I thought Bruno was very bad. Um, both got, both centers were not good in this game. Brook Lopez just kind of lift them up. Even Rob, even Rob, Robert Lopez did whatever kind of whatever he wanted to in this game. Um, they, need, they needed Alex Lynn, but that's not any, any excuse because they're starting Bruno and um, he wasn't very good in this game. And then finally, John Collins and Kevin Herter. Uh, Collins, 26 minutes, 414 from the floor, so obviously not, not, his, not his most efficient game um, offensively in this spot. Didn't have a career, uh, sorry, not a career high, but a season high. 16 rebounds. In fact, that was the most rebounds for any player that the Hawks have had this season was 16. So shots down to John, John Collins for that, but only had nine points, minus 34. Did have three block shots. Just wasn't a great offensive game for Collins. Um, you know, he wasn't the only one by any means. Defensively, he wasn't a problem either, but um, I would say subpar from John. Not terrible, but not, not great either. And then Kevin Herter, um, if you're trying to find another guy to pair with Reddish and, and Crab for being a slightly positive performance, it was Herter. I will say defensively, though, it was not his best work by any means. He had a couple of bad backdoor breakdowns defensively, um, and I think he's better than that normally. But, um, you know, re- recently the defense has not been good for Herter. I've long been on the fact that I think he's going to be fine defensively. I think he's generally fine usually, but the last couple of weeks has not been very good for Kevin, so we'll keep that circled. Offensively, though, he was one of the better uh, performances in this game. T- 12 points on 4 of 9 from the 
the floor. Three points, sorry, three rebounds, three assists. He was actually, despite being in the starting lineup in this game where they got blitzed a lot, he was dead even a plus minus. That's kind of funny because he just played a lot in the second half when things were going better. But it's pretty funny to see that stagger in the way that that broke down um, to see a, uh, a dead even plus minus. And again, they lost by 26 points. But that wasn't just like, it wasn't like Kevin was fantastic. He was just that he wasn't terrible in this game offensively in a, in a way that a lot of these guys were. So all that to say, um, you know, wrapping it up a little bit here, I, I don't think that there's any excuse for this. You know, Lloyd Pierce was pretty candid about that too. There's no, there's no one coming to save them kind of thing. I'm going to play you some audio from Lloyd Pierce right now, looking ahead to the game on Saturday. But um, he did say a, a few different times, as you're about to listen to this clip, that it's just pro sports and no one's, no one's feeling sorry for them. So here's what he said, um, looking ahead and also looking back to what happened in this game. Uh, motivation, spirit, you know, it's, it's still, it's still, I'm going to walk in there like I did and we'll, we'll come back tomorrow and we have a game tomorrow. It's no excuse. You know, we played Chicago on back-to-backs all three times this year. Um, we've played them shorthanded as we will tomorrow, and no one cares about that. It's Atlanta versus Chicago. And so the spirit is who's stepping up, who's next man up, uh, who do we insert into the lineup, who do we insert into the rotation, and can you impact the game? But that's, that's the only spirit we have. This is pro sports. You, you just adjust and you deal with it. So you can hear from Pierce that, you know, I agree. It's not like anybody's coming to feel sorry for them, particularly in a game where they're playing against a team that does not have Giannis or Bledsoe. It was an awful performance. There's no way around that. Um, I've, you know, I've, I'm usually tri- pretty down the middle on this podcast, both not too high and not too low. But it just has to be said, it was a dreadful performance at home against a team that's missing two of its best players. You just can't get around that. I'm looking ahead, as you heard him say there, and I've said this a couple times on Twitter already before even even Lloyd did um, at the podium. But the Hawks have the. Uh, I guess the unforeseen um, challenge now without Trey Young, but also the schedule kind of is brutal for Atlanta looking ahead. You know, not just Saturday, but um, as he said there, this is the third time this season the Hawks have been playing the Bulls on the third night of, on the second night of a back-to-back. That is ridiculous in a lot of ways, but it's going to happen again. And Chicago did not play tonight, so they'll be they'll be rested, whereas the Hawks have to travel a long distance to get there. And then after that, um, the Hawks play six straight games against playoff teams. Uh, that's there's no there's no breaks until March. You know March is the schedule I made fun of earlier a couple times on the podcast. If you're a frequent listener, I've talked about how easy how easy the schedule is in March. But right now the Hawks' next seven games they have the Bulls who are not very good but in a very favorable position against the Trey Youngless Hawks with a restless advantage. And then the Hawks have to play again six straight playoff teams. One of those is Orlando that's winnable of course on Monday. You know Orlando's not going to blow anybody away with their offense, but. You get the feeling here. Um, the Hawks are already in a bad spot, obviously, having lost nine in a row in 2022. You know, you can't overstate how bad that is. 2022 kind of just speaks for itself, even with the schedule and all the injuries and the suspension and all that stuff. You still can't lose 22 games. Um, the noise is, I would say, increasing on Pierce. We'll talk more about that as, as we need to in the future, but obviously that's, you know, games like this do not look great. I will say that. So it's all that, all that kind of coming on to itself here. And Pierce knows it. I'm sure he's feeling it a little bit. I'm sure the whole team is. And uh, we will see what they look like against Chicago on Saturday. It has to be said at this point in time that without Trey Young, they're going to be a substantial underdog, I would imagine, in that game. Um, the Hawks have not been able to score without Trey all season long. They have about a 90 offensive rating or so. Uh, and that is, of course, just absolutely awful without Trey Young on the court this season. We'll probably see Goodwin. We'll probably see Herter. We'll probably see Reddish and maybe turn to the point, whatever you want to say, it's not going to be a talent advantage for, for the Hawks in that game against Chicago. We'll come back and talk about it after the game, of course. And uh, to make things even a little bit more interesting, the Hawks go head-to-head against the college football playoff on Saturday. So I'm sure a lot of fans are not going to be watching the game live, particularly if they know that Trey's not going to play in it. So uh, we will 
if you miss the game, I don't blame you necessarily, um, but I will be watching and I will be uh, recording the podcast and writing about it and tweeting about it. So if you miss anything, please subscribe to this podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. I know the Hawks are not necessarily treating you guys real well right now, and I understand that, but uh, hopefully you will, you will stick with us on the pod. And if, uh, if you stop watching, you can start to keep downloading the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. So one more time, a 112 to 86 loss at the hands of the Milwaukee Bucks, a brutal one. It's nine in a row and 20 out of 22. Hopefully it'll improve in the future for uh, everyone's sanity around here, I'm sure. And uh, again, again, sorry, last time, last plug, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see everybody on Saturday night.